0: Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and spindle craft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So, rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast. The flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11. Covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me are my two co-hosts tonight, Raker and Jacob.
2: Hello.
3: Hello.
1: All right. So we are here to review uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, the third uh, film in the Home Trilogy, uh for spider-man and um you know there's going to be i think a, t- a ton of uh spoilers <laughs> coming and they're going to be flying uh, yeah give f-
2: me a heads up when you want to do spoiler time
1: well you this, know or is
2: I, this automatic spoiler time
1: i'll tell you i tell you what um i think what we're going to do is is we're going to just talk about it right now um okay. before i get into anything else we're gonna do a, non- a non-spoiler thoughts right now, and then uh, spoiler oh, warning, okay. and then we'll I'll run down through the information because okay. I gotta talk about the plot synopsis. I gotta reveal people that are in the movie, and that's just gonna spoil stuff. There so, all right, so um, let's kind of go around the virtual table here and give our non-spoiler thoughts on this movie. Uh, Jacob, why don't you start us off? <laughs>
3: okay, I was a blended of excited and anxious going into the movie to be completely surprised (laughs) and blown away by the movie, the story, the action, the emotion. Everything about this blew me out of the water. And I cannot wait for more, and i just yeah the, this movie gave me so much, and it made me hungry for more,
1: okay, uh raker, uh, why don't you pick us a pick up there and and tell me what you thought uh of the movie? I'm allowed to say ditto <laughs> I mean <laughs> that's, that's, you, you know what like sometimes jake, it's all it all takes
2: <laughs> like jake it was it was you know, I went into there with mild expectations you know what i mean like okay it's gonna be good but but you know what i mean i i kind of had little hints of what i was about to see um just through you know readings and so forth and like jake um i was blown away i was impressed i was you know um all the above i just i just think it's a i think it's the best uh i think it has the uh 2021 mantle at this point in my opinion I think it's the best movie I've seen in 2021. Okay. Wow.
3: And I, uh, and I will, will go and, uh, even further and I will say this is uh, oh, oh. as of now, at least the best live action Spider-Man, almost best Spider-Man. I'm still, I need to see it a couple just, more yeah, times
2: just to make to that really true. Yeah. Just to get that yeah, truly. Assessment.
3: But it is definitely the best live action Spider-Man movie we have ever gotten. I,
2: in my I'm, opinion. I might ooh I, I said it was top two after seeing it, i you know what I mean, I, of course, recency biased, you know, um but I might agree with him, it's definitely top two, definitely top two agreed
1: uh yeah I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, actually we don't care <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna concur with along, a, a lot along. uh with what you're saying <laughs> um I was really excited. For this movie, obviously, like everybody else, and, you know, having the opportunity to, you know, sit down and kind of immerse myself into the into the world of, you know, Peter Parker again, which is always great, but I was blown away. I mean, I knew a lot of what I, you know, was going to be coming in this movie, um, because... You know, we live in the world of the internet, so mm-hmm. you know there are there are no secrets anymore, folks. Um, but you know
2: what? They did a good job of holding a couple things back. They didn't did,
1: they? they did. But um, there's a lot of stuff that people had already kind of picked up on, and stuff had been leaked. And you know, this is the kind of movie. Before I get into any more, I just want to say this: this is the kind of movie where I feel like had this movie been made, you know, 15 years ago. You know, we would have been blown away because we wouldn't have known, (laughs) you know, we probably wouldn't have known any of the stuff that that we see in this movie that the big stuff, the stuff that's, you know, the big surprises, (laughs) the stuff that should have knocked our socks off. And it did, but, you know, not to the same degree, because we've seen trailers, we've heard leaks and all this other stuff that's, Mm -hmm. you know, been coming out in the last, you know, nine months. But they probably
3: uh, wouldn't have even had as many trailers, TV spots, or other advertising for it 15 years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's true. There wouldn't have been eight million trailers to kind of, you know. Although they did do a pretty good job, I think, with the trailers. They didn't. They revealed some stuff, but they didn't reveal everything, and I think that's good. But you know, I think this movie is. um, It's. It does a lot of things and i'll allude to, uh, i'm alluding to some things here, but it does a lot of things that um improve upon past things past movies right. and I feel like to me this is like the kind of movie that manages to be emotionally resonant on a variety of levels um surprising um it brings uh Peter Parker to like almost back to like the core character that we all know. Mm-hmm. And I'll get more to that into that later. But it's just, and it also challenges Peter. I think this movie challenges Peter in a way that I don't think I was expecting. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, this is a great movie. It's, it's, it's a movie I can see myself watching a lot. So I can't wait till this comes out on DVD. Cause uh, this is going to be a day one purchase for me.
3: Oh,
2: wow. So, Yeah.
1: All right. So that's the non-spoiler review, everyone. So uh, from here on forward, we are going to be getting into spoilers. Um, So there's going to be a ton of stuff uh, flying. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie yet, I I say stop (laughs) listening (laughs) uh, and come back after you've watched it. Um, All right. So before we get into anything, uh, let's run down through the information here. Spider-Man: No Way Home was released on December sixteenth, twenty twenty-one. It was written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, directed by John Watts. Uh, He's directed every one of the Spider-Man movies, uh, the Home trilogy. Uh, Runtime of two hours and twenty-eight minutes. Budget of two hundred million estimated. uh, Box office, and this here is is just the insane part: two hundred. Currently, as of today, two hundred and ninety-seven point two million domestic, three hundred and forty point eight million foreign for a whopping six hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. I mean, insane. Um stars Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberpatch, uh Marissa Tomei, J.K. Simmons, Zendaya. William Dafoe, Alfred Molina, and Jamie Foxx. And there's some others, but I'm not going to mention them yet. Because I want to get to them later. Uh, plot synopsis is, um, after being outed as Spider-Man, Peter Parker enlists the help of Doctor Strange to fix the problem of the world knowing who he is. But it's all gone wrong. And villains and heroes from the other ultimate alternate timelines come Uh, into into this world to pose problems for our web caller so uh yeah so that kind of gives you a little idea if you haven't seen it yet and you decided you wanted to keep uh listening (laughs) to this podcast as to what this movie basically is about um so let's jump into the spoiler part here um man where do you, where where do you even start? I guess let's start with the first third of this movie because I'll be honest if I do have any major criticisms with this movie, it's the first third of this movie. It's not to say that everything is bad here it's not but if i'm if I'm honest uh the first third of this movie to me is a bit clunky at times
2: oh uh, i do I do have a spoiler. Oh. that I have to just get off my chest yeah. for all of the uh, listeners. Um, Willem Dafoe, a.k.a. Nudis Volko from Aquaman, is the Green Goblin. <gasps> so <laughs> there's been a major crossover here in uh, both the Marvel and DC universes, and it's probably why we are getting alternate universes and cracks in the fabric of reality. So... You know, I don't care what Doctor Strange tricks you so, into watching in this movie. It's actually nudists.
3: So that's Vulcan. what those deep sea earthquakes were mi- referenced.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. So there you go. If you guys, you know, choose to stop listening now, I completely understand. Um, mm-hmm. But I just had to get that out there now, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continue. All right, continue.
1: <laughs> all right, so so here's the thing. Uh, the first third of this movie, the problem that I have is that – I mean, there's some good stuff. So the good stuff is, um, you know, Peter is dealing with all this notoriety. There are people that hate him. There are people that love him. Some people think he killed Mysterio. Um, other people don't believe it. So uh, – and that's great. All this notoriety uh, is a – Course it's a thorn in his side, right? Um you have the two lives of Peter Parker. You have Spider-Man, you have Peter Parker. And now all of a sudden, um Peter Parker is is now Spider-Man, Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and the world knows this, and it's difficult. He is a kid. Um and it's not just him, it's it's also MJ, it's Ned. That's a problem, right? Because not only is there a ton of division around him, but because they're associated with him, they have to deal with the fallout as well. That stuff is, I think, well done in this movie. Um, Down to the school and the principal and the coaches and all these people. Some people love him. Some people think he, he killed Mysterio like everybody else. J.K. Simmons is back, which is awesome, right? Because, you know, and the the Daily Bugle is being fashioned after uh, Alex Jones, uh, uh, (laughs) which is just, I think, hilarious down to the hawking of supplements, um, which I thought was Uh, really fantastic. Um, That stuff all works for me. But what I think doesn't work is well a couple of things one as much as i liked the introduction of matt murdoch and as nice as it was to see him there and you know he got to catch the the uh the brick that was thrown through the window i i think that that scene the problem i have with that scene is that it's a one-off scene and that's it you know, how did he get there? Who is like, if you've never seen the Netflix show, right. For let's say you just, you never watched it. Right. You have no idea who this person is. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a little bit of an issue. They, they needed to do more with Matt Murdock Murdoch in this movie. He didn't need to be a major character, but they needed to do more. They needed to give us another scene or two. They needed to do more with that character. Um, How did he get into the building? Anyway, well, I guess he can come through the window, but my guess is he didn't. It's just, I don't know. I feel like they could have done more there. It just felt very abrupt. The other part is they kind of made Peter a little dumb in this portion of the movie. So I understand he's under a lot of pressure. But as Doctor Strange said later, why didn't you go and plead your case? you know Peter's not unintelligent. He could have gone to the dean's office. He could have gone and pled his case. He could have said, "Hey look, you know i i I need you guys to give my friends another chance instead of going with something that isn't quite so extreme he goes he goes straight to Doctor Strange and he says, "Hey, I need you to fix my problem for me with magic," which is the most extreme version of you know the ways in which he could solve this problem." And I didn't particularly like that. I thought that that I felt like Peter wouldn't have in the past wouldn't have done that. I don't know. He's a smart kid. I just don't think he would have gone to that extreme that quickly. I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I? Am, do you guys think that that's correct, or do you guys have a different view on those uh, those cl- what I consider clunky bits to the beginning of the movie? I'll
3: let Rake go first.
2: <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the whole Charlie Cox thing, uh, Daredevil thing, I don't know if I'll call that clunky. I think it's just a way of appeasing the fans. And, you know, I, you know, and for all of us that watch, have watched Daredevil and, you know, have been clamoring for the Netflix series to be brought into the MCU. It was just kind of a, all right, here you go. It's, it's, It's beginning. You know what I mean, or at least it has you know at least it has feet now um uh, mm-hmm. has legs, um so I think you know what I mean, I think it was just a I don't know if I want to consider it clunky, I mean, chances are Peter wanted a lawyer of some sort, and what better way than to bring in Matt Murdoch than to do that, you know, I know what it happened when I saw at the theaters we got a round of applause when yeah. they showed him. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, and I feel like he might have been like the only lawyer that would have. Uh, He's also like, this is really kind of playing up the fact that they don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Matt Murdoch was known for taking cases pro bono at yeah. the goodness of his heart. And he was taking on cases where nobody believed yeah. the person but, he was defending. So I, I feel like that was actually a really smart po- yeah, uh, part on nice. them to actually have this lawyer The only way it might have done any better, or like another option would have been if they would have brought in uh, She Hulk, yeah, the uh, the, I forget the freaking character, the alter ego, Um, Jennifer Jennifer Walters. Yeah, Jennifer Walters. That's it. uh, Brought her in because she's also a lawyer. Yeah, that's true. But that would have been like a little bit of a (laughs) like. I feel like Daredevil. At least Matt Murdock is a little bit more well known.
2: Yeah. Plus you gotta remember that with the Hawkeye series they showed Kingpin at the end. You know what I mean? So here begins this whole you know, as a matter of fact, I just read something today, I think, about
3: it's supposed to be set in the same time of year.
2: Yeah. Well that and was there something about Punisher, or maybe that was a separate topic. Anyway, it was nice to see the Netflix characters slowly working their way into the MCU, although they have to be careful with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
1: yeah. Here's a question for you though. Why <clears throat> yeah. in, why didn't why didn't Peter just say, you know what? I'm just gonna call up pepper Potts right? Just say, Pepper, can you can you call mm. MIT and just say, Hey, why don't you why don't you give these yeah. kids a shot? I don't know? think he
3: is as close with her though.
1: Well like he's not maybe as close to with her, but he knows he knows that I mean Pepper knows how Tony felt about him. I, I think that. I think Pepper would, if if Peter so needed best help, month, best lawyer money Pepper, could find. I think if Peter needed help, I think Pepper would do whatever she could to help him. If, not, if for nothing else than to just honor Tony's memory and look out for the kid. I mean I know, yeah, I understand, I understand but, why they didn't do it I, I get yeah. why I just, But
2: I think as a writer for the movie I think you have to be kind of particular about when you're going to Pull in the rest of the Avengers Verse universe yeah. into You know what I mean? Not that they didn't Because obviously they have Doctor Strange In it but You know what I mean? I, th- I think you have to kind of be Careful not to turn it into Avengers
1: movie Oh you I know? agree, I agree. I just think what they could have done Was they could have said hey you know Pepper called and they just mm. said, hey, stay out of it, uh, you know, or they yeah, said, or they
2: okay. or, you know, Charlie Cox could have said, hey, you know what I mean? I got a call from Pepper Potts, you know, explaining your situation.
3: Yeah, you know what I mean? That would have been kind of
2: interesting. Yeah. yeah. The crowd would have loved that. Yeah. you know yeah, what I mean, because yeah. then it would have been like, oh, he's automatically tied dead somehow. You know, you know what I mean? To the right. MCU. So,
3: yeah. Either yeah. Pepper I or it. Happy have, has called him in. I loved
2: it. I loved seeing yeah. him as Daredevil. I thought that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, I it mean, not great. as Daredevil, but as oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> seeing
2: Daredevil in there. I thought that was huge. It
3: was. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, All right, so and I think in response to your uh, yeah. Peter is a smart kid. Now, I don't know about Rake. But I know I have seen and read many a things where Peter Parker is a brilliant, 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 brilliant character. But man, does that kid and man get so emotional and so blinded by a lot of emotion and other scenarios that his intelligence goes out the damn window.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's very common because a lot of things are very much tied when it comes to MJ or his love interests or Aunt May or anything in the comics, animated stuff, what have you. It always kind of like, I would say dumbs him down, but he kind of, he thinks more with his heart than his brain in those scenarios. And I think that's what they were really kind of playing into here. Was it was more of him kind of being the Peter Parker that really is like he's willing to do whatever he can to help the people he loves, and he kind of got blinded by that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That that, that does make sense. Um, okay. I mean, I, I get that. I, I feel a little better about that. Um, all right. So, so basically, uh, Peter goes to Doctor Strange and. Doctor Strange says, first he says, no, um, not really interested in helping. I I I sympathize with you, but I'm not going to do it. And then Peter asks again, pleads his case, and Strange says, okay, fine. Um, we'll do this spell. We've used it on some pretty ridiculous things in the past, so uh, I'll, you know, this should be fine. And so they start doing the spell, and then, you know, Rather than Dr. Shane saying, oh, hey, by the way, is there anybody that you don't want to completely forget you, like friends, family members? He doesn't ask. And so Peter is the one that keeps interrupting the spell, saying I need, you know, MJ, and then Ned, and then, you know, his uh, Aunt May. And it com- creates this considerable amount of instability with the spell, and it, well... It basically kind of rips a hole in space-time, um, at least briefly. And in doing so, it sucks in uh, villains from other timelines, like the Green Goblin, like Doc Ock, and uh, Lizard, and uh, Electro. So... um. All of a sudden, you know, while you know, you know, they don't know this at the time, right? Because, you know, nothing seems amiss. Doctor Strange managed to get the spell under control. It seems fine. And then Peter goes to plead his case with the woman from the Dean of Emissions for MIT on the on the bridge. And then who shows up but Doc Ock and uh, Green Goblin uh, so despite the fact that Peter has no idea who these, these characters are he's all sudden, he's all of a sudden fighting the Doc Ock and later the Green Goblin and uh, you know he, he has no basis for this knowledge he doesn't know who these people are he just knows they just suddenly show up and they're attacking him but they think he's Peter Parker but he's not the Peter Parker that they know Um, so he manages to get Doc Ock and uh, Green Goblin. He gets, you know, because the whole thing is when this whole space time thing happens, right? And Strange becomes aware of it. He forces Peter and his friends to basically do a fetch quest, which is to chase down all these these rogue villains. And um, basically they get transported, uh, they, they touch this, I, I don't remember what it was, isn't it like some, something they touch, I can't remember what it was, something on his, uh, like the armor or something, something on his armor. It was arm. his web shooter. A well, web shooter. and Yeah, he had to web shoot him with like, special magic
3: that Doctor Strange bestows. Right, in order to get sent there,
1: and so it transport them to a cell in under the uh, the magisterium. So, what did you guys think of of the introduction to the villains and how that all played out on the bridge? Did you guys like that, uh, Raker? Did you did you like how they introduced the the villains? Um, about what, what the
2: Sandman and or which which well, which I mean, I guess the first off would be
1: Doc Ock and then Green Goblin uh, first Um, because i think they got introduced first and then it then it was uh i think it was yeah it was out
3: by an uh a a power station that he met with electro Electro. and sandman
1: yeah and sandman yeah so Um, did you like how they introduced the, the villains in general
2: yeah i mean you know yeah I don't have an issue with it, I guess. You know what I mean? I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, once again, it was a cool moment where they're on the bridge, and then you see the tentacles, you know what I mean, coming in, the metallic tentacles, and that was or the whatever, mechanical tentacles. I, I was, you know what I mean? I had that sense of nostalgia because I think most Spider-Man, Spider-Man uh, people have watched the old movies. And actually, Doc Ock was probably my favorite villain out of the Tobey Maguire series, so... Yeah. Yeah. So no, I I thought it was a, I thought it was a cool introduction. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was good with it and you know, there was a lot of mayhem and a lot of, you know, you know, kind of showcasing Spider-Man's powers and Doc Ock's powers, skills, whatever, you know. So I yeah, I was completely good with that. I thought that was a nice introduction, you know, and then of course to follow it up with the Green Goblin grenades, you know what I mean? Even more mm-hmm. nostalgia you know and then the laughter of course in the back you know the cackle that Willem Dafoe has perfected um no i i was completely good with that whole scene you know i thought that was very entertaining very fun um yeah i'm i'm good with it
3: uh, especially with the nanobots being ripped off his chest and morphing onto the arms right and it being a way for him to control Doc Ock. I thought I was actually really clever to deal with the the situation because of all of them, he is the closest one to having a similar situation just yeah. because of it being a machine more than a, a change in DNA. Right. So I thought I was really clever and really well done there. And
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. fun just
3: seeing him kind of mess with the <laughs> when he was just figuring out that he had control of it, it was I, mean, I just couldn't help but chuckle because alfred molina did a great job of being just so annoyed being the annoyed teacher yeah like,
2: I, the, yeah i mean we'll elaborate later on of course the performances but you know overall i i think alfred molina was great back again as doc yeah. you know what i mean like i thought that was uh i thought, I thought he did a great job you know what i mean uh-huh. so
1: yeah, well, they they managed to get everybody in there. I think Electro's appearance was, I mean, trust me, a much better version of of Electro. Absolutely, than what we got in the second movie, um, which I think was a prerequisite. Frankly, I, I think that the only way Jamie Foxx is willing to come back is if he wasn't the same, exactly the same version of Electro that we saw in the second uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie. So he definitely really looks much cooler normal um uh which is a benefit to the character and sandman um you know which they they basically just kept him in his kind of his sand form for almost the entirety of the movie um which is fun by me um but they they did all this stuff you know they brought all these characters in they they managed to get them uh you know in into these cells and and then uh, the one character, of course, uh, that they initially didn't get into the cell, but they eventually did, was um, uh, Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, and which Willem Dafoe doing an amazing job. Uh, you know, personally, I think the, the, the true standout in terms of the villains in this movie, in terms even just the acting. I mean, this is by the way, not take nothing away from Alfred Molina. Who, of course, was amazing, and you know, I think Jamie Foxx did a solid job and everything, but but the, Willem Defoe just pff, amazing, knocked out of the park. Um, so they, you know, they have him smashing his mask, and which I think was again a prerequisite for coming back. I don't think he uh wanted to wear that mask the whole time like he had to in the original Spider-Man movie. Um which is great too, because like with that face, with that uh, with Willem Dafoe's face, you don't need a mask on there. He yeah. has got that yeah. face right.
2: Did you did you recognize that his uh, look in the newest movie was basically the ultimate Spider-Man uh, Goblin? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. That was cool. Yeah, that was like a, I, I think I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that strictly just knew the movies mm-hmm. that didn't quite pick up on that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's a Easter egg for people that know. Um, yeah yeah so so there's a there's um you know peter gets a call from his aunt may uh he rushes there because he thinks she's in danger but in fact she's got norman there and norman is you know there's this battle of course between the green goblin and it's it's like jekyll and hyde um and so norman is kind of manages to fight off the Green Goblin for a bit, and he's legitimately happy and trying to help uh, Peter. Well, eventually, that ultimately that doesn't go his way. It, he turns, but for a while there, they, he does appear to be on Peter's side trying to help them because initially, Peter wants to send them back to their timelines. He's like, this isn't my problem. Um, these, I don't know who these people are, but they're, they're just they're not my problem. It's not for me to decide, you know, whether they live or die. And it's his aunt May who says, "No, look, we, you know, we need to try to help these people. Um, we can't just let them just die uh, in their own timelines." So Peter says, "Fine," and uh, agrees to help. Uh, and of course, Doctor Strange doesn't agree with that, and they get into a battle. He and Doctor Strange do over the box with the spell in it um and ultimately as they're fighting into this you know weird you know dimension uh that uh uh, dr strange has created uh peter manages to figure out how to get past dr strange through just basic geometry and he manages to kind of tie strange up with his webbing and get out of there kind of leaving you know, uh, Dr. Strange kind of hanging over the, the, uh, um, what is it? The uh, Grand Canyon. Ca- he's the Grand, yeah, the, the Grand Canyon. I think he said he was hanging yeah. over. And, uh, so then it's up to Peter to try to take the limited amount of time he has to, you know, save everybody, save these, these villains. And, uh, everything seems to be going fine. He manages to fix Doc Ock and then, um, Just when everyone, it it feels like everything's going in that direction. That's when Norman, uh, the the Green Goblin side, you know, manages to take over. And there's a battle that ensues um, with, specifically with him and and, uh, Peter. And they have this kind of big battle. And then Aunt May dies. She gets hit with the glider. And I, I, the only quibble I have with this, frankly, is that she should have been destroyed by that glider. Personally, I think that glider would have shattered every bone in her body. (laughs) Um, (laughs) seriously, I mean, that glider would just like flew right through and just smashed right into her. She, she would have, I mean, frankly, she should have been like cut in (laughs) half. I mean, not saying I want to see Aunt May split in two.
2: funny you should say that michael
1: because when that happened I,
2: I first thing i said was first thing i thought to myself was oh my goodness are you seriously gonna tell me she's walking around after that yeah that's like, my
1: only quibble with that i mean they, they could have yeah. she should have just found a way to kind of make it so that the impact was only slight <laughs> yeah but it's yeah, the point. it's the when she got hit she maybe hit a wall or something and and yeah. you know. But anyway, so she doesn't die immediately. She gets up. She kind of stumbles. She's, you know, she appears to be fine, just shaken. And then ultimately, you know, she and Peter eventually realize that she is, in fact, dying. Um, And I got to say, this is a terrifying version of the Green Goblin, just as terrifying as I, I would say in the first Spider-Man, if not more so, because you get reminded that Goblin doesn't he he kills because he enjoys it. He's not killing for some you know philosophical reason or whatever or be pushed to do it. He does it because he enjoys it, and you know much like the past in Green Goblin in the original uh, his his timeline, um, you know he's willing to to eviscerate anybody in his way, and that includes Aunt May. And of course, uh she utters the uh with great power comes great responsibility, although she actually utters the exact phrase in this in the comic books in the exact wording, um which is different. It's the first time we've gotten the exact wording from the comic books. Um, so uh what did you what did you think of of the death of Aunt May and the way they did it? And the that she ultimately is the Uncle Ben in this timeline, right? Because as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that there was an Uncle Ben, at least as far as I remember. Um,
3: they they mention him and that he had died uh, by a robbery, but it wasn't as hammered home. Okay. As that, like, it wasn't the Uncle Ben scenario that we've gotten in every other Spider-Man series. Oh, okay. Because, okay. like, I remember in like the either Homecoming or Far From Home, they make a mention of him. Yeah. Uh, like in passing, and it was very much a like he he had passed away, but it was yeah was less impactful for him or at least it wasn't as hit upon compared to previous ones
1: well what did you think of of how this kind of worked out uh, for the movie I mean this obviously has massive ramifications for uh, Peter clearly Um, but what did you think of the way that played out and the kind of utilized her death as kind of the like I said, the uncle Ben death of this version of spider man um,
2: yeah uh i yeah you know i'm I'm trying to remember when he was referenced um in the m c u not that that's a huge deal if he was or wasn't, you know what I mean, um regardless you know what i mean if if he mm-hmm. was i I must have missed it whatever. He's it was a very
3: much a throwaway.
2: Yeah, it there was not go. anything yeah.
3: big. It was not hit upon very hard. Right. It was very much a a one-off line.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, uh, you know, minute importance in the Holland-verse Spider-Man. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I think, you know, I think it's just, it's just that whole parallel. You know what I mean? Like, in the other two movies, you know, they lost Uncle Ben in it. Turned them, you know, bad for a while. And and like Peter needed that in this one. Um, only it happened to Aunt May. Uh, I, I was surprised because I really never considered Aunt May much of a character. But it's funny that, you know, her death was like pretty, pretty influential. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I was like, wow, I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew a lot of spoilers going into this movie. Not all of them, but I knew a few of them. And I did not know that one. So, you know, and I thought, you know, Holland's reaction and everything, you know, off of her death worked really well. You know, with uh, whatchamacallimera, uh, Happy. You know what I mean? Like that last, last scene. Um, yeah. You know, when they're at the cemetery. It's just like, wow. wow. That, yeah, was pretty, that was a pretty moving scene, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for real. So, you know, she was one of those characters I was really never into because I didn't like the fact that she was that young looking and I didn't like the fact she, you know, cause it was so anti, I can't say anti so different from the comic book that I just really never had time for her. So it was kind of nice to see her importance brought about by that scene and by that whole turn in the story. So, you know, I, I thought it worked well, you know what I mean? I thought it was well written and you know what I mean? And I think it worked with the rest of the movie because, you know, upon meeting the other Spider-Men, like it was like, wait, you know, now I'm starting to, see this parallel in all the universes, you know what i mean? So, no, i thought i thought that was just another brilliant spot in the you know and who whoever wrote dire- you know, obviously who directed it, but i mean like whoever got tied all this together, i thought did a real good job with that.
3: Yeah, i agree. It was uh it was surprising it was yeah, emotional and it, it yeah. really yeah. hit home and it, and it kind of made it really clear what this, not only this movie, but what the three movies leading up to this are it's because it really kind of made it out. Like this isn't just the origin movie. It's the origin series of movies for Tom Holland, Spider-Man mm-hmm. because that's that turning point and where he becomes the Spider-Man that we know. Yeah. and other stuff and it kind of feels like it's been a an ongoing origin yeah. story for him and that's really kind of what that hit for me and, and it really was well done in it man i i was glad they kind of took it in a way that wasn't the same old same old yeah compared I mean, to other spider-man movies i agree
1: i agree I, I... I, you know, like everybody else, and I was, Rick, you and I talked a little bit earlier today. Yeah. And we all thought that his origin story had already happened, right? Because we just assumed that the Uncle Ben thing had happened. We just didn't have to sit through it, right? We had sat, you know, we watched with the uh, Toby Maguire version. We saw uh, the uh, uh, Andrew Garfield version go through the same, essentially the same story. Um, different villain, but basically the same story. And it was like, I was like, oh please, I I just I don't want to go through yet another version of the exact same thing, right? That Tom Tom Holland's first movie was gonna be just doing this all over again. And I was so happy when we didn't get, you know, have to do that. But what I really loved about this is that they sneakily did a three-movie origin story yeah they they Mm. gave him every toy he could ever want The spider suit the iron spider all that stuff and then they took it all away from him and took took Mm. that away from him stripped it all away and stripped away his only safety net that he had left right and more frankly i think you can make a solid argument that this spider-man at the end of the movie is in is worse off in some respects than any Spider-Man ever that we've seen on the big screen. Because at least in the other Spider-Man movies, he has friends, you know, he has family, he has Aunt Aunt May. And at the end of this movie, he has nobody. Yeah, they're there, they're alive. I mean, except for Aunt May. But, you know, his friends are there, but they don't know who he is. So, you know, he's, he's as alone as any Spider-Man has been. So I think that that was sneakily well done, personally. The Aunt May thing, um, I think, was... I, I think one thing that we don't think about too much, if you go back and you re-watch the trilogy, is, and the reason why I think Aunt May hit me so hard is because they make it a point that she and... Peter are very close, right? Um, if you watch the the home trilogy, if you watch the previous two movies, they're actually, and frankly, Civil War, I guess, too, because she's in that briefly. But you get the sense that these two are very close. They have scenes together. You can tell that they have a, a special bond together. It's his only family, right? So... These two have to kind of be a team together. And I felt like they managed to get that across pretty well, which is why I feel like the death, at least for me, hit so hard. Because if she was just an insulated character that barely had any screen time, which I'm not saying she has a ton, but she has enough throughout the trilogy that they made it clear just how close they are. So I think that really worked. Um, So... Uh, So let me get to the meat of the movie. This is the part where things really rock. So Ned has this finger clicky, you know, thing that Doctor Strange has. The sling ring. The sling ring that he he creates his portals. And uh, so MJ and Ned are there at Ned's house. And they decide to try to find Peter. And so they open up a portal. And see Spider Man, and so they call him, and he runs forward, jumps in, pulls off his head, uh, his uh, his mask, and who is it? It's Andrew Garfield. it and goes crazy, by the
2: way. Yeah, the oh, whole yeah. room went
1: crazy. Whole room went crazy. Yeah. So they have a little introduction there. It's funny. Uh, some jokes. I had a good time with the whole thing, and then and then tries it again, opens it up, and who jumps through while well, who walks through, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I still think maybe my favorite joke in the entire, uh, movie was when, uh, Andrew Garfield, Garfield's Peter says, uh, that he looks like, uh, um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man looks like a youth pasture. <laughs> Past- yeah. Which was- that was funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, so we get that. And, you know, um, I was a little
2: disappointed that, that he wasn't in like, Spider garb.
1: Well, like he says, you so know, he's like, wire, hey, I don't yeah, I don't go around advertising. Yeah. He's like, I got my suit underneath my clothes. I can just take my clothes off whenever I need to get in action. Yeah, I guess. You know. Um so they do this whole thing there where they kind of make introductions, they talk, and they go to help Peter, Tom Holland, who is just completely gutted. I mean Clearly, obviously, he 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 would be, and I, and I just want to say, I know we we're going to talk about performances. I got to tell you, I mean, I think Tom Holland has done a really good job, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, is is Peter Parker and is, is Spider Man. But I got to say, this is I think the best performance he's ever given as Spider Man. Yeah. Um, he really sells everything in this movie, whether it's the lighthearted moments to whatever's going on, and you know, he really knocks us out of the park. Yeah. So um, so MJ and Ned show up, as does the other two Spider-Man And they manage to, you know, have a conversation with Peter. And this, to me, this whole next section up to the end of the movie is fan service done right. Mm. You know, I think something fan service has gotten a really bad rap in the last couple of years. For some obvious reasons. There's been some really bad, you know, fan service yeah. in movies where it's it's fan service done in the wrong way. Like with some of the, like with the last Star Wars movie, right, Palpatine. As yeah, a perfect example. Stuff. Like that that's fan service done poorly. <laughs> um Very poorly. You can do it badly like anything or you can do it well, right? Fan service does not equate bad. It just needs to be done the right way. And for the right reasons. And this is fan service done right. So you have these two Spider Spider-Man who have been through more than what Tom Holland has been through. They've been through Uncle Ben's death. They have suffered their own losses. And yet they are very much, you know, the same character, but not Right, they've all got individual differences, which is one of the things I like so much is that they are not the they're not carbon copies. Uh they are versions of the same character. They come through you know from storylines, which are versions of the same storylines. Just like there's, you know, they had their Uncle Ben die, Peter has Aunt May die. And they have fought different foes, they've endured similar losses. So um, I like that they come together in this section. They are nerdy. They've all got individual personalities, though. They are different. Of course, you have Tobey Maguire's Peter, which is very kind of stoic and quiet and quietly nerdy. You have Andrew Garfield's uh, version, uh, who is kind of snarky. And I got to be honest, I I... I I think I like, like Andrew Garfield's version the best. He may have the worst movies, but I never thought that he, he was a bad the snark
3: Spider-Man. of Spider-Man from like comics and shows the best.
1: Yeah. He's got great comedic timing and man, does he sell emotion. In this movie oh and in his movies he i never doubted him as his portrayal of peter i always mm. made kind of comments like he was the kid, the cool peter like the uh, hipster peter parker mm-hmm. but you know i i never doubted especially in the suit i never questioned his performance as spider-man um and so uh, I like this whole section here. So what did you guys think of the introduction of the characters? And what did you think of this whole section right before we get to the end battle? Uh, Breaker, why don't we start with you?
2: Um, uh, I I thought the introduction, you know, I thought it was good. It, You know, of course, the crowd went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still hung up on your Andrew Garfield as your favorite Spider-Man thing. Um, I'm not that, you know, I, I disagree. I'm just, you know what I mean? That's kind of sticking in my head right now. Uh, and every, every person I've ever talked to is either Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I could see someone in either camp. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, the introduction was great. Uh, you know, um, I think, I think there was a couple too many moments where they constantly tried to compare stories. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When all three were together and they were like devising the plot on how to, you know, make everything right and so forth. Like I thought there was I thought that I thought that drug on a little bit, you know, when they're in the lab Mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure everything out. I thought I thought it turned into, oh, yeah, well, you know, on my universe, this is this is what happened. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it almost got and I know I've said nostalgia a zillion times. um, I think it got to be I thought that got a little overkill. Mm -hmm. um but you know i I thought that scene kind of drug on a little bit too but um but no that's that's i thought it was you know i thought the introduction was really cool you know so i'm I'm still once again you know i mean i think everything almost everything they've done in this movie has been pretty legit you know the introduction of whether it be the villains or the spider-man you
1: know so that's my take uh what about you jacob what did you Thoughts on all that.
3: Oh, it was great seeing him introduced and whatnot. And it showed that like, especially like since you mentioned Toby sauntering through and looking like a youth pastor, it shows that it doesn't necessarily mean that he was pulled over while he was, you know, swinging through the city as Spider-Man. He might've been out on a date with freaking MJ or something. (laughs) well that so and he just got pulled over in his street clothes and it kind of made me chuckle in that regard and it was just great and fun moment uh to see the confusion kind of the live action version of the 1960s spider-man pointing at each other meme that was referenced in into the spider-verse at the end uh (laughs) It kind of felt like that to me and it was great. And then the lab, I, I, I kind of agree. It kind of was like a little longer than I think it should have been, but it was pretty great to just see them all interact yeah. and joking and yeah, just great times. And especially when Ned walks over, is like, Oh, do you got a best friend? Yeah. And then he tried to kill me.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like
3: that fear in Ned's face.
2: Yeah, I think the I think the supporting actors, you know, Ned and and you know, I think everyone did such a good job. Oh yeah. 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 I actually like their characters way more now. Even Flash I can almost accept at this point. You know, I'm I'm still fighting the whole fact that nothing is like the comic. Um, yeah. especially in the uh Tom Holland verse. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know what I mean? Like I you know, after the third movie now, like those characters have kinda grown on me and and I, am not a big Zendaya fan. Um, but you know, even after this movie, I was starting to warm up to her a little bit.
1: I, I, I bought, I buy their relationship a lot. I mean, I think it's, it's taken a, obviously a couple of movies, but I feel like they really sell their relationship in this movie from the get go. And I think yeah. it's why yeah. the end is, is impactful as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's okay. Let's get to the final stretch here. Um, so, so they have this big battle, right? They they formulate this plan to bring everyone down. They they kind of f- create a a kind of an injectable or well, not necessarily injectable thing. It depends on the the villain. Uh, but like Sandman, they have like this flashy thing that's kind of like similar to when he fell into the uh uh dang it what what, 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 it, what it, It was a super collider. Super collider, right. So like super collider had these flashing spinning light things. And so they create something that kind of is the same thing. It's like handheld, but like Mm -hmm. it reverses what was done to him. And so they have things for like everybody, every one of the villains that they can kind of cure them uh, from their affliction. You could call it, I guess. Um, So there's this, this big battle uh, they have to learn to work together, right? Because Tom Holland's Peter Parker. He uh, he was an Avenger. He knows what it's like to work as a team. The other two have been solo this whole time, so they don't know what it's like. So they have to kind of ask to like take the lead. And of course, there's an amazing shot where they all kind of land together. And it's like that, it's like that scene in Endgame where kind of like all the the women uh, kind of come together and, you know, everyone was cheering and stuff. Um, So it's kind of similar with that, but obviously with Spider-Man. And um, so we we get to the end. And there's the moment, of course, where MJ gets knocked off uh, in a very similar fashion to the way that uh, Gwen Stacy was knocked off of uh in the last amazing spider-man movie and so she's falling and mm. Tom Holland's Peter jumps down after like you know Andrew Garfield did and uh, mm. after Gwen he gets uh hit by the glider by the uh, green goblin and so Garfield jumps down and he doesn't make the same mistake he made when he tried to save Gwen, he doesn't worry about shooting a web, <laughs> um, because if you remember that movie, it was Gwen's neck snapping that killed her uh, from the force of you know hitting down and, and being pulled up from the from the web, and uh, so he just catches her midair, manages to land safely, and what I love so much about this scene is. Yes, it mirrors what happened with Gwen. But what I love so much about this is that it's such a great moment for Garfield's Peter because he got, he got, he, he saved MJ where he couldn't save Gwen. It was a, it was a moment of redemption on his part. And I got to tell you, man, Garfield just sells the hell out of that moment. I mean, he, he's literally crying. He he did it. He, you know, he can't get Gwen back. But he manages to save MJ. And it's, it's just an amazing moment. Because it, we didn't talk about this, but one of the things that's interesting is how Garfield, maybe one of the best moments, best lines in the entire movie, where he says, earlier in the film, he said that, After Gwen died, he stopped pulling his punches. So basically, in his timeline, he's been a pretty brutal Spider-Man since Gwen died. He's out there doing the... He's fighting, but he's not pulling his punches. He's hurting people badly. He's taking his rage out on whoever is in the way. And... So, this moment was like something that he can hold on to. He can say I, I, I saved her where I couldn't save Gwen, and so i I love that moment. uh do you guys have anything you like to add to that, or do you guys have different different takes on it, or no, I think you' are right
2: yeah, I agree with you hundred percent like okay,
1: yeah,
2: just yeah,
1: agreed. Okay, so then we get to the end um so everybody gets kind of you know they they manage to get you know lizard and um you know sandman everybody uh except for goblin so uh there's so peter so Holland's peter and goblin go toe to toe and eventually uh Peter gets the upper hand and he is just raining blows down on, on uh, uh, goblin. And it reminded me of that scene in the dark night mm-hmm. where Batman is just plowing Joker in that interrogation scene. He's just raining blow after blow after blow. And the whole time he's doing it, Joker's just laughing because he's, you know, he's like all your strength. You can't, You can't do anything. And Goblin here is just, he's insane. So like this stuff doesn't, he doesn't care. He's getting, you know, pummeled. And then Peter picks up the glider, ready to impale him. And we remember that Norman was impaled in the original Spider-Man movie. So in this moment, he's going to, in a different fashion, but he's going to do the same thing. He's going to impale Norman with his own glider. And that's when Toby Maguire, Peter, jumps down and catches the glider and won't let him kill Norman. And it's such a huge moment because Peter, you know, he maybe could have done things different himself. I don't disagree that he, you know, did what he had to do, but... I think Peter's, this Peter, this older Peter, has lived long enough to know that he wishes he could go back and change the way things played out. And he doesn't want to see this Peter um, take a life like he did on several occasions. You can't take that back. And so he stops him from doing it. And unfortunately, he gets stabbed by Norman. I thought he was going to die, but he didn't. But he gets stabbed in the back. And then uh, Peter, Holland's Peter, grabs the injectable cure and stabs Norman, injects him. And it reverses the whole Green Goblin persona. You know, it goes away, and the Norman that we left is the regular Norman Osborne Sans Goblin. So, what did you guys think of this kind of end moment here with this battle between. Hollins, Peter, and uh, and how everything kind of played out there, Raker. What would, would, did you like that, Raker? The way they kind of did that, or did you have different yeah. thoughts?
2: Yeah, like everything else, you know what I mean. Like, Watts is batting a thousand, you know. I, I, you know, of course, I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I knew he wouldn't kill the Goblin, um, but you know, the way they made it happen and the way they stopped him from killing, him, I thought was good. You know, having uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man be able to, you know, stop him from doing it. Then, of course, you know, getting stabbed at the same time by the Goblin. I mean, it's it's typical because Green Goblin is definitely the more, I think, deeply evil out of all the, you know, Mm -hmm. the villains in the movie. So, I mean, I I think that whole thing just all made sense. And, you know, that was good. You know, that was really... I don't call it emotional by any means, but you know, it's definitely. that's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but it, it worked well. It just worked well. It was well <clears throat> done. Whole thing.
1: Okay.
3: Jacob, uh, I It was yeah. It was just. It was also like very symbolic of the fact that like it really showed that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man never wanted him to die yeah and the original either and it, it kind of really reflected and mirrored that moment that it his original death was by his own hand and not by spider-man's and that's yeah. what he wanted to make sure didn't happen
2: jake said it way better than me <laughs> way better
1: um so so basically what happens here at the end is that uh um the the whole thing that happened with the kind of ripping open time and space with the spell because of the instability is back, right? I mean, Strange couldn't, it's like he put a Band-Aid over the initial issue because what happens is the goblin throws this bomb, one of his bombs, pumpkin bombs, and it explodes and blows up the container around the spell. So the instability is back, but it's much, much worse, and he can't stop it and everything
3: hmm
2: nothing
1: oh, okay so he you know there's there's all these rips and tears you can see it all around him and there's figures up there and like if you look at the outlines there's different figures that are ready to come through uh, from different timelines like you know black cat and you know just all kinds Craven sc- the Hunter Scorpion yeah, all there. kinds
3: Scorpion
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep there's a ton of you know if you look at the outlines you can kind of make out who they are and so Peter makes the decision to, the only way that they can reverse all this is by doing the spell again, but this time everybody forgets. Um, nobody remembers who he is. Uh, so he makes his goodbyes to the two man thanks them for everything, and goes and makes his goodbyes to MJ and Ned, which of course they're emotional. And it was an effective scene with, with MJ. She tells him that she loves him, but she won't let him tell her she says that that when he tells her when that is that she wants him to mean it and so then we jump ahead uh and now Peter is you know it's a few months maybe down the road, it's around it's the holidays Christmas time uh he goes in, he's got this maybe this speech prepared. Uh, to tell her who he is, he orders a coffee. Sees Ned and MJ talking about MIT, and uh, you know, he he decides at the last second not to do it. Uh, one interesting note is she has that necklace that he gave her at the end of Far From Home. She still has it on, and if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, in that scene, I think she touches that necklace almost like there's a little bit of deja vu there. Like she like something. She should be remembering something. At least that's what I got out of it. And um, so I thought that was interesting. But he decides not to say anything. He leaves this coffee, thinking that I think they're better off not knowing anything. He goes into his ratty old apartment that he just got. He has no money. He has apparently no grades, so he's got to take his GED exam. Um, And he has no awesome Spider-Man costume. He visits Aunt May's grave, speaks briefly to Happy, who has no idea who he is. And the last thing we see is he has made his own homemade Spider-Man costume. And we see him out, you know, slinging around... Uh, New York City in you know wintertime. So, I think this movie ends with Spider-Man being on his own in so many ways. But at the most basic core, Spider-Man that we we know, right? He has no money. He's got a little apartment. Uh, no one to rely on. He doesn't have Tony Stark's money. He doesn't have his technology. He has none of that. And I think for people that have been critical about the first two Spider-Man movies and maybe the affiliation with the MCU in general, as like Spider-Man has all this technology and things are so easy for him, uh, I think that has been washed away at this point. I think this is a resetting of Spider-Man to some extent. Uh, gone is all the help and all the technology and the money at his disposal. And now he's left as just a poor college student. And he's out there fighting the hard fight. Uh, what do you guys think about the ending? Uh, Jake?
3: Uh, yeah, no, it was fantastic. It was such a great moment to see Tom Holland Spider-Man step into what is effectively the most notable and iconic moments for Peter Parker and Spider-Man. The moments that everyone knows of and is just great to see. And it'll be great to see what he does next. Like this is no longer an Avengers level Spider-Man for the time being. It's purely a Spider-Man helping out the neighborhood and only the neighborhood.
1: Okay. All right. Um, let's do our final thoughts in this movie. Um, I'll start out first. So I, I think this is a great movie. Um it's got you know little issues here and there, I think, but it's it's a crowd pleaser, but it's a crowd pleaser with both a heart and I think some real substance as well. if it was just a crowd pleaser with cameos from other movies and actors and whatnot i would that would fill a beat. it would it would feel hollow but i I don't think that is the case here so uh i like I said before i think this is a movie that i'll revisit on multiple viewings and i'm excited to go see it again in fact i think i'll be seeing it in movie in the theaters here uh in the next probably week or so so um jacob uh give me your final thoughts on the movie
3: well yeah it's by far the best spider-man movie i feel like we've gotten and we're finally getting the best version of tom holland's spider-man and i'm like i said at the very beginning i'm hungry for more i want to see where he goes what he does next i want to see everything he does from here on out because i like you mentioned i had my issues with the first two movies of his but this this has me excited for more and it's been a long time since i've been
1: this excited for spider-man
2: stuff okay raker yeah no i agree with jake like it has been a while i mean the first two spider-men you know with tom holland as spider-man um spider-man was you know i i looked forward to it and i enjoyed both movies but after this third one you know i, I think the third one was my favorite out of the holland ones and it does have me you know curious as to where they're going to take it from here but at the same time one of the things i respected about this movie it was a good uh wrap up like if they wanted to end it now they could you know what i mean like everything is all the way back to uh you know him just having powers and no avengers or any of that you know what i mean so it'll be interesting to see like how they where they take it from here if they take i assume they will spider-man's way too
3: uh, it was a, yeah it was announced he renewed his contract
2: yeah and so but i mean movie. at what point do they bring him in do they you know and how I think do they he's bring
3: got him? three more like spider-man movies Jeez. Slaving, like another trilogy for him
2: gracious sakes well he's gonna be making a ton of banks and that's that's good for him yeah. um but you know you know back to the ending of the movie um, you know that scene was really good, a lot better than I thought. Because I'm not a big, like I said, Zendaya fan, or I, I really struggled with the supporting actors. But that last scene there, where he went and visited, went back to the coffee shop or donut shop or whatever. Um, that, you know what I mean? That was a pretty moving moment. You know, I thought that was really, I thought that was done to the tee. And um, I think Tom Tom Holland. You know, if I had to pick my favorite Spider-Man, which I know Michael went back with the Garfield thing. It's, it's kind of neck and neck between Holland and Garfield. It really is. And I, I think agree. that last, that last yeah. scene kind of, you know, solidified maybe my edge giving it to Holland, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I like both a lot. In fact, I, I agree with you. They're kind of neck and neck. I just, some, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I think what it is is I don't think Garfield gets the credit that he's
2: yeah. due. Yeah, because he's not the
1: most recent. Well, his movies you know I mean? his movies aren't his movies aren't the best. I, I think most people. Nah, agree. That's
2: true. So, yeah, I mean the whole electro thing was such a terrible ugh. Yeah. that was just so badly yeah. done. It um, was bad. <laughs> so.
3: I will say I will say with him though, I would be down for them to use Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man as a since they're focusing so heavily in the Sony verse. Mm. movies and they're all like anti-heroes or villains mm-hmm. as the uh protagonist it'd be cool to see them portray spider-man as the hero antagonist
1: mm-hmm. for them
3: as that role and it'd be great for it to be andrew garfield to come back as that universe of spider-man and be that character like he's the he, he's not the main point of the movie but he's still heavily involved very important it'd be really cool to see that aspect of it and him come back yeah
1: yeah all right well it would be interesting to see that but we'll see Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get some announcements here in the future maybe maybe
2: Michael will be first to get them, by the way, Marvel. Pipeline straight to Michael.
1: Exactly. i got (laughs) to get it first, and then I'll I'll disperse it out to my minions. Uh, (laughs) All right, everyone. He'll let Disney know. Yeah. Uh, All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening to us ramble on about Spider-Man No Way Home. You can send your feedback to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the movie. Let us know what you think about the feedback that we've given. And, uh, yeah, we hope to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on the Freaking Geeks podcast.
0: Have a good one. See you, geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.